The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us and glad once again to be visiting with our buddy Tom Cotter. He is the barn find hunter. He has established that and many other very, very illustrious reputations around the automotive industry. You want a PR guy for automotive anything, he's your man. But we have another purpose today because he is a very wonderful author who writes eloquently based on his own experience. That's the best kind of writing there is. And we're going to get into some of that today as we wrap up the theme of Route 66 before next week we start on the new issue, which is now out in digital form, the summer edition of American Road Magazine. We'll start on that next Friday. Tom Cotter has been involved in nearly every end of the automotive and racing industries over the span of his career. From mechanic and auto salesman to heading the public relations department at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Tom formed his own racing and automotive PR and marketing agency, Cotter Group. The agency represented some of the largest clients in NASCAR, IndyCar slash CART, drag racing and road racing. He has written biographies of the legendary Holman Moody race team, Tommy Ivo and Dean Jeffries, but is best known for his series of barn find books, such as Cobra in the Barn, Fifty Shades of Rust, and Barn Find Road Trip. There's a Route 66 version, which will be our topic, our main one today. Tom Cotter also appears in the Barn Find Hunter YouTube video series, very popular worldwide, distributed by Haggerty Insurance. Today, American Road is happy to distribute Tom Cotter. Welcome once again to our show, Tom. I'm so happy to be back, Gary. Thanks for the invite. Glad when we can catch up with you. You are a man seemingly always on the road, though you also know how to take time out and take a vacation currently in Maine, as I understand it. Well, uh, you know, because because of the lockdown this country's in, I'm, right now I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm here in Maine in our vacation house, but I would be on the road if given an opportunity to drive somewhere. <laughs> I definitely uh, understand yeah, right, that. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit nervous of hotels and whatever at the moment, so I'm, I'm just staying here and looking at the water. That is inviting to me. I was there a year ago, and I loved Maine. Can't wait to get back again once we are free to roam about the country. And I guess that takes us to where we need to go today in this episode of Trip Talk, roaming about the country. When we talk about the Mother Road, I doubt there's anyone that has a more intimate appreciation of it than you, Tom Cotter. You even wrote a book about it, Route 66 Barn Find Road Trip. What an extraordinary concept. And I understand it was actually a sequel because you had a successful road trip book and then thought, you know what, we could do this again, and this time we'll go on Route 66. It's, it's exactly it. it. I guess, you know, it's, Barn Find was uh, kind of the reason we went on the trip for publication purposes. But for me, as a uh, as a writer, you know, you can only write about rusty cars so much. It's it's the stories behind the cars. So it's actually meeting people from Chicago to L.A. who have old cars in their backyard, and it, it, those are the stories I'm interested in. Why do you own that car? How long have you owned it? Oh, you got it in high school. Oh, and, and you, you know, your aunt bought it new. It's, there, there's human interest stories 
from coast to coast, and, and I just want to grab enough of them to fill up about 200 pages. And to be clear, you took Route 66 from Chicago and then headed west, which I've always been told is the way to tour Route 66. Personally, I don't think you can have a bad time planning a trip anywhere along Route 66. But uh, I guess traditionally, because it started in Chicago, a lot of the development on both sides can be found in the Midwest. And then it starts to thin out as the states get bigger and the trip gets longer as you head west. Yes, and uh, you know the the song, the old Route 66 song, it, it it sings about from Chicago to L.A., more than two thousand miles all the way. I, I couldn't see going backwards. Like I, I <laughs> you know, I was seeing little parts of that song as we entered different states. I could, but how do you do that going backwards? I'm not. I, I can't do that. So I couldn't go from California. Well, I ultimately I had to. I had two weeks to drive from Chicago to L.A., documenting uh, with with stories of photographs all the way out but then i had three days to get back to chicago so i was uh hightailing it and by the way i i, I was driving a 39 ford woody wagon uh, a car that i bought at a barn find when i was 15 years old which was uh 50, 51 years ago i bought the car and uh so and it was a barn find so how appropriate to drive a 39 ford on the old uh mother road emblematic of the experience that people had in that and other classic vehicles, to be sure. In fact, Tom, I wanted to, first of all, before I get to that point, because there, I kind of wanted to put it in perspective, at least my own perspective, but let's give some mad props to a couple of gentlemen who accompanied you and made the trip and these books such wonderful reading, especially with the lush photography. Oh, yeah. Well, Michael Allen Ross and I have done five books together and actually we're talking to the publisher now about a, maybe a couple more books we'd like to do together but we we get along well we travel well we work hard we get up early we go to bed late it, and it's, you know it's just uh, uh it's work 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 and at the end of these trips we're just like sh shot so michael allen ross who lives in uh northern california uh he's he's a constant companion, and then when when I can get him, my friend Brian Barr, who lives near me in North Carolina, is my navigator, and he's the guy that's handling, uh, uh, you know, Facebook posts um, and and answering people's questions about where we are, or whatever. And these trips are pretty wonderful in that, you know, people don't know we're coming through, but somebody sees it on Facebook, and suddenly they're offering us a place to stay overnight, offering us dinner. Never mind, you know, leads on old cars that. We're out there trying to trying to photograph. And so I believe the date was November 1, 2015, in Chicago. And anybody who's been in Chicago or heard much about it knows that the weather at that time of year can be quite dicey. I think it was a good omen when you took off on that day, a brilliantly sunny day as you started out on Route 66. So there's that. And what did you find? from these people who it seems to me, and this is my own perspective on it, Tom, these are people who have not let contemporary living loosen their grip on the value of history. Exactly. Well, we started off in Chicago, and uh, there's, a, there's a sign, just a, a, a block or two from the, from the lake, there's a sign that says, uh, "Begin beginning uh, historic road, Route 66, you know, eastern terminus or north northeastern terminus, whatever. So I, we we took a picture there, 
before we even hit the road, we had to do two things. One was to get a, a Chicago hot dog loaded down with pickles and onions and, oh, God, you know, it's, you, there's meat in there somewhere. You you, you know it's down in the bun there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, and so that was that was interesting because you know you, it's like uh, you could you taste it now and then in about an hour you taste it again. Um, the uh, and then we had to I, I got a water bottle, uh, drank the water out of it, and then went over to Lake Michigan, filled the bottle up with uh, lake water, and that was going to be my what I brought to California and dumped into the uh, Pacific Ocean when we got there. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean people along this road. Um, it, it depends on what state you're in. Some states take it very seriously, but the, the actual road you're driving on is a historic monument. And the the places you see on the road, uh, with any luck, are have um, histories of their own, hotels, gas stations, Art Deco-looking uh, buildings. Uh, and, and it changes character as you, as you drive uh, through various areas. You know, they're... There are some areas that Route 66 is, is, is just lined with abandoned buildings because the interstate's gone through and, and just kind of put those towns out of business, so to speak. Uh, but there are other areas where that's still a major road, and people uh, celebrate it, and uh, the, the residents that live there have car shows and uh, special historic events around Route 66 is, uh, uh, you know, lifespan. Um so it's just just an amazing. We, we met people from Europe, and people told me that in Europe, Route 66 is much more popular among Europeans than it is to Americans here. So they, a lot of yeah, Europeans, uh, you know, make a trip over here, rent a car, and drive from one end to the other. And some do it. They rent a vintage car, like a '55 Thunderbird or something, and they drive it from one end to the other. Uh, and, and there's an agency that you can rent a, a vintage car from on either end of the trip. So there's all sorts of ways to see this road. None of them are bad. None of them are bad. And with that comes the surprise when you find something tucked away. It might be in great shape. It might be in lousy shape. Most often something in between in terms of the quality and the care given to it over the years. And that's where I'd love to turn next, Tom. When you were on Route 66, what jumps out at you as, oh, there was this and that car that were real surprises to you as much for the quality of their condition as the fact that they were hidden away, tucked away in a barn or, or some old shed? Normally, people wouldn't think you'd find anything like that, but you're the barn find hunter after all. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the uh, the cars we found not surprisingly, got better and better as we got further south and further west. The, the, the old cars that we found up near Chicago and, and coming out of Chicago, uh, lots of rust. Anything that's been sitting outside for, you know, years, decades, pretty bad. So if you're a car enthusiast that live in the Chicago market and you want an old car to restore, don't waste your time looking at cars sitting outdoors uh, either find cars that are indoors, which is really hard to do, or get on Route 66 and drive southwest and look for cars in New Mexico and Arizona because those cars live in a dry climate and uh, they have good bones left in them. 
so, you know, the, and, you know, what's a barn find? You know, people say, oh, you know, that car, that, that's not in a barn. Well, barn find is just a term for a vehicle, can be a car, can be a truck, could be a tractor or a motorcycle that has been ignored and neglected, forgotten by its owner. You know, like, okay, I'm going to get around to fixing it up one day, and that day never comes. So that, that's what we look for. We look for cars that are neglected. And uh, I've, I've kind of made a semi-career out of this. It's, 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 and the people I've met, you know, cars are amazing, but the people are even more amazing. And do they tell you, Tom, is there a common thread in the kind of narratives you get from these wonderful people that you meet about why they have held on to these classic cars? I know there is a type of person who simply can't say goodbye to a cherished object of any kind, but are there people with various sentimental reasons why that car remains in their garage or barn? Well, yeah. Um, is there a common reason? Well, yeah, it, it broke down, and I'm going to get around to fixing it one day. It's the car I built <laughs> in high school, and I, and I can't see it. I can't, I can't part with it. I'm going to get around to fix it one day. But, you know, that day never comes. And if the car is visible from the street, uh, the, the, these, that's, that's the point of interest, these people. They're, they're interesting people because every day people are coming and knock on the door. Would you sell it? No, I'm not interested in selling it. Um, but then, but then, if it's not visible from the streets, so let's say it's behind a building or in a building, it's hard to see, hard to find. It's kind of a hoarding effect, you know, that, that somebody bought that uh, bought that car or sometimes many cars, and for some reason psychologically they just can't they can't dispose of it. And, and many times, if it's sitting outside, it has gotten worse and worse and worse. And, and what might have been a nice car 30 years ago now. It's, just ready for the scrapper, which is is the saddest story. Yes, that would be a heartbreak. I have seen photos in various books from people who've made trips, not unlike yours, and they love to go on these finds. And during the journey, they will find something. I remember in one case, seems to me it was an old Ford, and it was it was not out west. It was I think it was someplace in North Carolina where you reside, and it was yeah. so enshrouded by the overgrowth of trees in the backyard and the mud from however many storms that you could barely tell there was a car there at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, that's the sad part. So our, our uh, kind of mission on this trip to ourselves was to uh, stay on Route 66 and only pursue cars that were either on Route 66 or visible from Route 66, like, you know, might be two blocks away. You can see some cars in a farm field or something like that. So on Route 66, visible from Route 66, or from a lead that we might have gotten from somebody on Route 66. Let's just say as we're driving our 39 Ford across the United States, we're pulling for gas at a station. Somebody comes over, what are you doing here with North Carolina Plates? What are you doing in Kansas? Well, you know, we're looking for old cars. Oh, well, you know, if you go up to the corner, make a right, and go five miles out of town, there's a, there's a guy with a bunch of old cars. And so those cars we would pursue as well. And I didn't know if we'd find 10 cars in the whole trip. And, wow, there's cars we couldn't even put in the book. There were so many. These are the people who want to retain the best of the past in terms of road travel, cherished road trips, or just having 
Having a car where your butt prints on the seat, you're not going to let go of it. In other cases, maybe it was something that was handed down to them by their dad, and they wouldn't dream of getting rid of it, no matter what condition it's in today. That's that's true. You know, when you when you meet somebody that says, "I'll never sell," well, someday you will. Someday somebody will. You know, you you're not unless you're you know going to live forever, which is not going to happen. Somebody's going to part. You know, going to have to dispose of that car one day, uh, and and. You know, maybe it's better to do that now when you can choose a new owner that might, uh, you know, be up to your standards, so to speak. And maybe, you know, I've I've met some people that have sold cars and then were invited to come and drive it uh, when 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 it was restored. You know, let me let me you know let me give you the car for the weekend after it's all done, and you can enjoy your old baby. So that's kind of a nice thing to do. You know what? Oh. There used to be a show on TV called The Naked City, and there was a million stories in The Naked City. Uh, and you know what? There's a million stories in the, in the old car world, and this is only one of them. Absolutely. It may involve even some of those. For example, Tom, there are two cars in particular, if I found them on Route 66 or anywhere, but it would be great if they were sitting around in dry air so they were in reasonably good condition. I would love to chance upon a Plymouth Barracuda, or, and here's where I get picky, listen to me, if I won the lottery and I was going to throw some money around, I'd like to have that, and one of those mid-60s Thunderbirds, it only happened for, a, what, two or three year period, where they, it was longer and it had elliptical taillights. Uh-huh, yep, yeah, so like 66, I think, had those longer taillights, yeah, right, beautiful. And to beautiful. have those there, the, to, to find, yes. And the, and the, and the Barracuda... Now, here I am in Maine. Every year I bring a different car up to Maine, an old car to enjoy up here. And this year I uh, brought my 66 GT350 Shelby Mustang. And mm. so it's parked in the carport behind now. So people walk by here all the time. Oh, is that your Mustang? So we, it's, it's a conversation starter. And I met a guy yesterday at my front door who has a 67 Barracuda that he bought new and still has. He showed me pictures on his iPhone. It's got a four-speed with a 273 uh, V8 dual exhaust, and he bought it new and still has it. Son of a gun. How do you like that? <laughs> oh, man. That would be – and how's the upholstery in the interior? People many times will have a gorgeous shell there. The chassis is good, but inside it looks weather-beaten, and that's when they have to decide how much money they want to sink into the project. Yeah, you can, you can get upside down pretty quick at $100 an hour. But he uh, – I think he painted himself and – I didn't see the interior, but I take it that it's a pretty darn nice car. It's got about 100,000 miles on it, and I think the interior is original, and he's very proud of it. It was, it was so, you know, it was like showing me pictures of his grandchild or something. It was pretty nice. <laughs> I can understand that kind of loving devotion to it, the sentimental value particularly. When you were on Route 66 and you started to head west, and you're in Oklahoma, and then you're in New Mexico, maybe Texas, When you, what did you find there that people— either were willing to sell you at a rather inflated price because from watching your YouTube series, I get the impression that people are proud of those vehicles. Even if they don't have it in top-notch condition, it's going to cost a pretty penny to, to pry it away from them. Or perhaps they need to get rid of it, and that is serendipitous for a guy like you. Well, I'm not buying cars. Uh, my, ho my whole you know, YouTube program, Barn Fine Hunter, or my books, I, I find cars, and then I just move on. I find cars, interview the owner, we take pictures, 
you know, spend some time learning about it and then move on. So I'm, I'm finding, I'm finding Captain Kidd's treasure, but I'm not taking any money with me. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I found the, the treasure chest and I'm, I'm just leaving it all there and moving on. It, I treat it like if you saw, uh, Robert Redford and, and Paul Newman and, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, Paul Newman was teaching the young apprentice how to be a con man. And, and, you know, they, they robbed a bank and they pulled off this big scheme. But then they didn't take any of the money. It was just a learning exercise. And they moved on. Well, that's kind of what I do. I, I don't. I don't have a desire. I have enough cars, twenty-one at last count. I don't need any more. So uh, I, I ask if the cars will sale usually, uh, but that's only because people watching the program or reading the book. Wow, I wonder if that car's for sale. So I, I go ahead and, and, and answer that question for them, and then I just get in the car and move on. I take this Woody, or another old car. Uh, because it's the icebreaker. I can pull into somebody's driveway who might not have a great attitude. He's tired of answering the door. I'm not going to sell that 67 Camaro. But when he looks out in the driveway and sees a 75-year-old car, suddenly, wow, this guy is coming, you know, he, he's not driving a new SUV. And so I'm, I'm coming at it from a different direction. And suddenly he wants to talk to me as much as I want to talk to him. So, you know, if any of your listeners, you know, have a desire to do something like this, it's much easier to find an interesting car if you're driving an interesting car. I can't say that strongly enough because it puts you on a different level than everybody else who's been knocking on the door. I love that part of it. And also, it seems to me, if people didn't want to show off what they have or have it be noticed, that's why they would put it in a barn or a garage and lock the door. And then you have to go inquire because they've had their door knocked on too many times. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep. In New Mexico, and this is the pilot of your show, The Barn Find Hunter. It's on YouTube, a great series, many, many episodes, uh, 85 or we've more. Gotten, I was looking. We've gotten better since then. Yeah, we've gotten better since then. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. The, the Haggerty folks, the camera guys, but we've, we're, we've worked our way up into a, a pretty good little team right now, so six years into it, yeah. And the pilot was fun. That was a really fun episode to watch. The pilot, and it only gets better from there, you went to, uh, at one point you were in New Mexico there, and it seems to you, is the name Unser, where they, they collect a lot of these and they have become legendary in the state of New Mexico? Yeah, well, the Unser family is a racing family. Uh, Al Unser and Bobby Unser and Al Unser Jr., Robbie Unser. They, those uh, Unsers. Those Unsers, yes. Uh, they've, they've won the Indianapolis 500 many times. They have uh, won the Pikes Peak uh, hill climb event many times. Uh, they're they're amazing, an amazing family, and we happen to stumble across, you know, a, a part of that family. It was you know, find some of those old cars that were theirs. Pretty amazing. It definitely was. Now you said that you're not going to buy them. It's great how you disseminate the information, Tom, because you uh, remember reading in Route 66 Barn Fine Road Trip, you got a, a very telling line there. If you brought one more car home, you'd need, you'd need to find another place to live, I think you wrote. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there, yeah. you know, there, there is the constraint of space, that's for sure. But when you go and you tour all of these places, tell us a little bit in our remaining minutes here how it is putting that show together today, how you keep it fresh, and how you keep the themes going, because it seems like every time you go out, there's something a little different about the next episode. Well, um, I, you know, 
I, I go about it the old-fashioned way. I look for old cars. I really look for old cars, and I don't, I don't accept leads very often. Uh, I, I just do it the old-fashioned way. Drive down the road looking and behind buildings and whatever. Uh, go ask at uh, gas stations and auto parts stores and repair shops who, who, who are there any old car collectors in town, whatever. And so I kind of approach it like a kid with wide eyes. Uh, nothing's, nothing's coined, nothing's canned. It's, uh, it's, all, it's, every, it's all fresh. And, and I think it's obvious people see that I love what I'm doing. Uh, I'm driving a vintage car. I'm not looking to buy their car. I just want to talk about it. And, you know, that's why people go to car shows and cars and coffee events on weekends to talk about that car. So I'm pulling in their driveway, to t- and, 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 and we aim a camera at them, and we're just asking them to talk about their car. So it's, it's, it's really wonderful. I've made so many friends. People that I interviewed years ago are, uh, you know, still stay in touch with me uh, from, that, from that program or from these books. Uh, the, the amount of friends would just increase every year, and it's so much fun to watch that. You get to trip back in time, but you also get to fantasize about how you would restore a car. You could see yourself driving it on the open road again. That's part of the lure of the highway and just the glamour of being an automotive aficionado, of which you are, in, I would say, in the vanguard, that's fair to say. It's an amazing thing, and I'm sure glad that you do that show. I'll bet you have people that write to you from around the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get emails from New Zealand, uh, South Africa, uh, the Ukraine, Russia. Uh, you know, and I get you know, from, from Middle Eastern countries where I can't read the letters they've written because it's all in Arabic lettering and stuff. I can't, I can't read it. It's like, but, you know, I know they're fans. They love it. <laughs> Usually end with a little smiley face or something, uh, but you know, the, I'm, I'm so happy that I've, I can be kind of a diplomat to uh, people around the world when it comes to, to their enthusiasm for, for old cars. It, it doesn't That's matter if you're say. in Iran or, or Iowa. It's, like, it's it's pretty amazing. That's an automotive ambassador. You have earned that title, that distinction, Tom Cotter. We're always thrilled to have you on the program. We'll find something else to talk about the next time you join us. So happy traveling on the road, and thanks for joining us today. Gary, you need a longer program so I can keep going, okay? I I will work on that with the folks at American Road. You're too kind. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) All right. Have a good day. Bye. You as well. We're just about to wrap up. But here's a question. Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use, and it's available on Apple and Android. Drive Weather. Download it now for a safer road trip wherever you go. Thanks once again, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. American Road Trip Talk hopes you have a safe weekend, and please go online. You can enjoy the new issue. It's the digital edition, summer issue of American Road, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road. We remind you to visit our website for that purpose, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next week, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. <laughs>